You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I just feel like there's so many layers to this story. It's kind of like a beautiful onion, beautiful lasagna. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra, joined by Brazilian Ty. We start off the show. I got to offer condolences to the family of Nick Volpe. He is a CFL legend. He has been referred to as Mr. Argo. He was the MVP, Ty, of the 1950 Grey Cup. Of course, it was the Mud Bowl, and some of these Grey Cup stories, the the, the history of this league is so rich, Mm -hmm. and I I firmly believe it just needs to be preserved, but I I watched an interview with him describing the field conditions. He he said it was a sponge. Um, There was a big snowfall a couple days before the game, but they decided to just plow it off. Well... (laughs) And then it rained. So all of the ruts left by (laughs) the plows, (laughs) it just became a mud pit. And he was a part of that team. There there was a guy that had thumbtacks actually attached to his hands to grip the ball. It's just one of those amazing stories. Was it Mick Foley? (laughs) An amazing story. And he... Get this, Ty. He ended up being an employee of the Argos for a long, Mm -hmm. long time. So he was a part of the 1950, 1952, 1991, 1996, 1997, 2004, and 2012 Grey Cup championships with the Argos. They never lost a Grey Cup game with him, a part of that organization. He's basically the CFL's Bill Russell. (laughs) <laughs> it's incredible what an incredible life he led yeah that's that's crazy i mean for oh especially even just the stories from the mud bowl uh yeah you know, exactly just like you said the history of this league and especially of that of the gray cup game itself something needs to be preserved and you know as, as the years go on and you know those players that played in those memorable ones get older and start passing away it, it's going to be harder to keep that uh, those memories alive, but I think that you know, with the league, especially with their uh, on-demand stuff they got going now, I think that's going to help out a lot. But uh, yeah, like I said, condolences out to to the family and the team. Uh, that's a big loss for them. As mentioned at the top of the show, to and out a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Here's a little taste of a show called Quantum Kickflip. In the small prairie town of Hillview, in the center of town, Hillview's single traffic light shifts from red to green which has no effect whatsoever as Main Street is, as usual, completely devoid of traffic. Bored teenagers use their modified hoverboards to sneak into other dimensions. An abandoned cityscape lives half buried in the sand. Welcome to the multiverse. It's dangerous. The entire right side of her body looks like uh, just a glitched out mess. It's stupid. And then I immediately uh, turn around and punch him. It's got parent groups in a panic. Just don't do it, okay? Hugs, not slugs. All right. Thank you. (laughs) And it's the coolest thing ever. This is Slug Blaster. Well, your funeral and ours, I guess. And then Angus points and fires. There's an explosion. A burst of slime goes flying. Your reign of terror has come to an end. It it kind of scrambles and glitches out. And you can see that this this is like a smoking crater where your ray gun hit. (laughs) Sick. (laughs) Quantum Kickflip. A Slug Blaster actual play podcast. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network. You can check out albertapodcastnetwork.com to check out all of the other great shows in the Alberta Podcast Network. In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out Podcast. Well, Ty. <laughs> I don't even we know. Get a, we get a night off. We get a night off. <laughs> I. I honestly hate that we're talking about this now. It, 
I just feel like there's so many layers to this story. It's kind of like a beautiful onion, beautiful lasagna. <laughs> oh. oh, they got layers. Yeah, mine had variety, <laughs> like, you know, golden baked cheese and then the meat sauce, maybe the ricotta, the noodle. Yours is just peeling back the layers. <laughs> You knew I was going with a movie quote. I don't know why anybody would be surprised. Man, the 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 space you have in your head for movie quotes is actually incredible. Like I thank you. I I'm not a lot of other stuff impressed. in there. <laughs> it's it's movie quotes and name that tune, and that's basically all I've got. <laughs> well, uh, the Elks and Argos game that was scheduled for tonight will not happen right now <laughs> kind of the question is if the game will ever happen so he here's the deal mm -hmm. as of recording the total number of cases within the edmonton elks organization is at 12 um and it's been said that if a team is able to field 36 players they'll be able to play here's the thing i the fact that at this point new cases are popping up daily, yeah, they they can't, can't responsibly send them on the field. Yeah, I, I think if there were maybe a couple days where they had no new positive tests, they probably would still mm. have the game. Um, but here's the thing: the Elks facility needs to be closed for seven days now. All the players are in isolation. Um, there has been talk, at least early in this process, when it was announced that the game wasn't going to happen, that maybe this coming Monday, Tuesday, they could do the game. But that would have to be done with no practice for the Elks, which I I can't imagine them allowing here. Maybe there's some opportunities for this game to happen in, in October. But, Ty, I, I really don't think that... The Argos should be the ones punished here. The, the, the other situations I see here and the, the, the proposals that, you know, possible makeup dates show up. It's like the Argos could play, you know, something like three games in 11 days or four games in 16 days. Which the, which the Red Blacks are doing already. Yeah, yeah. And the Argos have been through that with bad scheduling mm -hmm. and field availability before and and I know they've said well you know maybe Edmonton could host the game and I know that the Elks would basically have to buy the game off of Toronto so it takes that expense away but the Elks still get a competitive advantage there at least in my opinion mm -hmm. and I don't think they should be afforded a competitive advantage in no. any way shape or form here <clears throat> No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, last year we saw it with the NFL with their schedule. They had a week at the back end. Yeah. And and same with the NHL. They had a week at the back end where if there was games that had to be rescheduled and pushed, that they could do that. Uh, you know, the the CFL coming out and saying, like, we'll try to reschedule games, but having absolutely no contingency plan for that, other than a, every team getting bye weeks. But, I mean, you can't. If only one team has a bye week, you're not going to make a team play those like three games and you said in eleven days. It, that's just stupid. Um, it it was set up for this from the start where it's gonna if if they can't get a game in, it's gonna be really 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 hard to reschedule that game later on in the season. And we're seeing that now, and and it's we're in week four, and I just don't see how this game gets played, and that sucks. But I mean, if both teams get a loss here. How is that fair too? Like I just don't get it because the Argos, as of right now, it, we don't know for sure. But there's only two teams across that 85 percent threshold. Yeah. So yeah. how how are the how are the Argos who don't have any positive cases that we know of? Because well, I mean they're obviously not in the protocol right now. But how are they? How, how is it fair that they're the ones getting punished by this? Well, as as far as I can tell, the Argos would still get paid if the game doesn't happen, even if they're not across the eighty five percent threshold, because they they're it's not, not the their ones. fault. <laughs> but do they get the win? They would get a one nothing win. Okay, 
So then that's not bad. So then yeah, the Argos are hoping this game doesn't get played. So if you're the Argos, yeah, do you take the one nothing forfeit? I, I feel like they have 100%. all of the marketing power here, don't they? You, you take the win any way you can get it. <laughs> this is this is a crazy. I think we knew this would happen, but what if what if that one win wins in the East? Well, that could that could be the win that knocks Edmonton out of the playoffs. Oh, can you imagine the culture in that room? <laughs> this is a wild story. And Toronto is just probably the team with the most challenging schedule to make up the, as far as the stadium mm-hmm. availability goes. Edmonton, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's a city-owned facility. It gets used here and there, but Toronto's got a they got the TFC thing and they need a couple days to switch it over from soccer to football. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it is a wild situation. And, and then the layer of the vaccination goes right. Because Edmonton, it, it, it appears they're at least in the bottom third in the league when it comes to vaccination rate within the team. So the fact that they, they're under the 85% threshold right now, they lose a game check. Not only do they get the loss, they don't get paid. There's a lot mm-hmm. of players on that team that th- they'll feel it if they end up missing a game check this year. They're already making less money with the 14-game season. That can't be, that can't be good for a locker room. I mean, can no. you imagine being a guy that maybe you didn't even want to really get the vaccine, but you did it to, and let's be clear, Ty. Protect your job. The, the This season is happening because of the vaccine. No matter what you yeah. believe, this season doesn't happen without it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So if if you're a guy that got it, and the guy next to you didn't get it for whatever reason, and that's the reason you don't get paid for a game. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna cause some tense moments within that yeah. that locker room. That's turning into the office space scene with the printer, right? <laughs> it can turn bad real quick. And at the same time, I, I so. You can't say, like, people on Twitter being, oh, I thought they weren't allowed to go to bars, and but it, that's not necessarily what happened. Like, their kid could have brought it home from, from you know, from wherever. Their spouse could have brought it home from their job. Like, I mean, there's so many other areas that this can come from, and once you get it, it, it can spread like wildfire, right? Like, we've seen it happen all over. Uh, but that being said, with if, if a team is about across that 85%, it's not going to affect their pay. And that's where the issue lies. That's where the issue is going to come in. And the guys start missing game checks. I think I don't. I don't want to say this for sure, but teams might start looking at cuts because they can't afford this to happen twice or well, three times, right? Like, that's another thing, Ty. Because this fall, uh, the government, and I know there's an election between now and when this <laughs> might go into place. Um, they they want to make it so domestic travelers, whether you're going on a plane or a train or whatever, have to be vaccinated. Now, yeah. there's a little bit of wrinkles here because the CFL, the league itself, is working under the assumption that charter flights will not be exempt from this. The CFLPA is kind of working under the assumption that maybe they won't be exempt Maybe they won't, but say they're not exempt, Ty. <laughs> what happens mm-hmm. with rosters then? I I don't know. I that it's it's a it's it's an entire I don't even know the word <laughs> storm. Yeah. That that can go on here. I don't think the government should be the one making the decision. It should be the airlines themselves. But I I don't understand why you couldn't make charters exempt. Guys can 
go right to the yeah. tarmac. They don't have to go through airport or anything like that. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, I mean, this isn't the NHL. This isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA where, you know, money is going to buy that exemption. This isn't a league that's able to do that. And they're just going to – they're going to be at the whim of the government in this rule. And if guys can't travel, I don't know how this season keeps going. Well, that's true, Ty, because I was going to ask you, wouldn't that also affect Canadian teams playing each other in the NHL? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I, but you look at it, you look at it, the Leafs are owned by MLSE. Would they yeah. not technically be, would they not technically be employees of MLSE? I don't know, because if they are, then they're required to be vaccinated. Hey, that's a... Uh... That's a solid point because MLSE is putting that uh, into place starting next month. And actually seven of nine teams in the Canadian Football League are going to require mm-hmm. proof of vaccination to get in to the stadium starting next month. The only teams <laughs> that ironically aren't a part Florida. of this <laughs> is actually the Edmonton Elks, uh, who's actually dealing with a bit of an outbreak mm-hmm. right now, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So, yeah. you know, I, I look at the other teams, though. The Bombers were forced into it by the government. Um, mm-hmm. I think Montreal, kind of the same thing. Quebec's doing the vaccine passport. BC, same thing. Government putting it into place. Uh, I, I look at Toronto. I see MLSE, just a massive organization. You know, like they, they've got thousands of people that work for them. I think as much it is protecting uh, their staff, their bottom line, than it is about <laughs> protecting anybody. Going their into- bottom line, they make so much money, they can lose $10 million and wouldn't even notice. Yeah, but you think they want to hire any extra staff? Nah, those people are just numbers and they got to keep them healthy, man. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, this isn't Amazon where they get fired for taking a piss break. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're living this. All this stuff kind of happened out of nowhere, and and I know you had said. And here's the difficult part, and this is the tragic part of this whole last year and a half. None of this can be discussed online with logic. None of no, it. God no. It is all black and white. It is all uh, emotional. It is, and who knows if somebody's opinion comes from a place of fact or not. I think my list of mutes is higher than my list of people that I actually have active on Twitter. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> like, I, I could see Saskatchewan and Edmonton. And, you know, Calgary is a part of the big sports and entertainment group with, uh, mm-hmm. with the Flames and the Hitmen who... Uh, junior hockey, WHL, they're expecting pl- staff, players to get yeah. uh, vaccinated. So the Stampeders get l- locked into that. I, I kind of think that the the Riders and the Elks would rather their provincial governments make the decision for them like other provinces had. But <laughs> Saskatchewan and Alberta, I don't know if that's going to happen for those teams. They, they don't want to be the villain. And you know what? I'm just going to yeah. say there there are members of those fan bases that, you know, I, I don't know how this thing got politicized, but one side of the political spectrum is against vaccines, is against masks and things like that. And I think these teams yeah. are afraid of... Let's let's call it what it is. The, the conservative supporters. Let's yeah, just call it what it is. They're they're angry or they're afraid of angering that portion of their fan base. And as far as the Elks go, I mean, they've made a <laughs> they've made a lot of moves over the past year and a half that have already angered their fan base. And I'm not sure they want to do yeah. it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Um. The only thing is, like, if you're worried about game checks and all that stuff, team meeting. Tell the players, you got, we got to get this done or this is going to happen again, and you guys are going to lose out on another game check, and then what? Look at the guy sitting beside you. Yeah. You're, costing, you're taking food and money off his out of his pocket off of his table. Right? Like, accountability has to come in at some point. But that that's that's been the theme of the pandemic, tie. 
and you can abstain oh, I, from this conversation if you want. But oh, I, mean, I'm, I am all in. As soon as they said, and I'm just saying that masks protect the other person as much as yourself. That's that's nobody the time they, gave it. Yeah, that's the time they lost everyone because nobody cares. Hundred percent. About one hundred percent about the person next to them. Yeah, <laughs> that's just that's just the way it is. I mean. Uh, it, it seems like junior hockey players in Canada, they're just going to have to get it if they want to continue playing. Um, yeah. Maybe this is coming to the CFL, and I don't know how long this stuff lasts because it's going to spill over into 2022 as well. It's just, I think, yeah. a shame that this is being discussed when we're going into week four instead of in the middle of training camp, right? Uh, yeah, probably. And and two, guys knew that this was coming. Like, I don't think this was sprung on them last minute. Right? Like. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the CBA comes out, they sign it. Oh, this was in it? it they, they were, this was in discussions for a long time once they knew the vaccines were available. So guys had time and I think they've made up their, I think they've made their decisions. Um, now, the FDA down the states approving that, approving the vaccines now. People are like, oh, see, yeah, the FDA approved it. You can get it. Well, the FDA also approves Diet Coke, <laughs> and and a lot of other stuff that we that people put in their bodies that they probably shouldn't be. But because it doesn't have enough adverse side effects, people do it. Uh, that being said, yeah, it, that also allows the government to mandate it, which I don't agree with. But it is what it is. And if the government's going to mandate it, then I mean, then the Elks are. I'm sure we'll see a wave of players being like, screw this, I'm out. But it might also, you know, the guy, it might also make the guys on the fence change their mind. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, if this, like, who knows? This could take two, three weeks. We could still see new cases, you know, a few more days from now. We could still see new cases popping up at Edmonton. And what does that do for their week five game? (laughs) And yeah, if they they have 36 players, that's great. What if every, what if every O-lineman on the active and practice roster, has it. Yeah. Then what? Well, I mean, the commissioner kind of alluded to and said, maybe these guys aren't following the protocols uh, closely enough. And I, I know you said that the virus can come from any way, but when, <laughs> you know, 11 guys get it yeah. and it keeps popping up, maybe these guys are hanging out after practice. Who knows? Who really knows? Yeah. We've talked about this for 26 minutes. Oh, have we? Yeah. Can All we right. move, can we move to can we move to another game? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the, the Alouettes are uh, one and a half point favorites. <laughs> wow, what a segue! Uh, as they host the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, the over mm-hmm. under set at 46 and a half points right now. Um, Ty, are are the Tie Cats in must-win territory here? I, I, this game, especially, this is a four-point game. Uh, you know, if they go zero and three, and the Alouettes beat them here, that's that's a long hill to climb. Man, it's a long hill to climb for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Zero and two, Grey Cup year. A lot of people had the Tie Cats picked. <laughs> to, yep. to to win the Grey Cup in the year that they're hosting, man, I I don't like saying you know must win territory in Game Three, but <laughs> if they go zero and three, plus you know they've they'll have lost to the team one of the teams they're chasing that that's a four point game. Yeah, it just seems like out of sync right now, and I just don't know what you do to fix it other than starting Dane Evans. Well, well, and the Argos might have just got a free win. So, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that does not help Hamilton. Uh, the, man, the Argos, uh, an Argos Grey Cup win in Hamilton would just be so sweet. Like poetic justice. Now, you mentioned that maybe the Tiger Cats should switch to Dane Evans, and it, it appears that they are. Steinauer making that announcement. Wednesday, uh, he has mm-hmm. been limited in practice. Jeremiah Mazzoli this week with a rib injury. He suffered against Saskatchewan. I mean, he, yeah. he must be pretty banged up considering they're just coming off a bye here. Yeah, uh, you know, and he hasn't looked like the Jeremiah Mazzoli of old, really. 
I don't think. Is Russ versus Russ? Well, he had a lot of time off considering he got hurt midway through the 19 season. So, and Dane Evans came in, took that team to a great cup. They didn't win it, but I mean, they still had to play real good football to get there. And, you know, he put up the numbers. He, he found chemistry with the receivers and it just seems Masoli came in. And like I said before our week one or during our week one show that, you know, it, it was, it was Masoli's job in my eyes. They had paid him all the money. They didn't trade him when they had the chance to, you know, he, he gets that chance. Well, it's been two games. It's been crap. I think it's, they got to start winning games. And if Dane Evans is the one that if that change makes it so that they can win a game, and if they win here, I think it's Dane Evans job. You got to be Bill Belichick. You got to make that, you got to make that change before it starts hurting you too much. Like he always trades guys after good years and then they're crap anyway. So the, uh, uh, offensive line in Hamilton has not been as strong as it was no. in 2019. Um, part of that was the that tackles. I mean, there's there's no experience at that position. And Chris Van Zyl, I mean, the veteran CFL offensive lineman, he hasn't practiced this week. He's going to be out. He's got the hamstring and the thumb injury. And this is coming off the bye. Other oh, veterans man. that haven't practiced for the Tiger Cats, Ja'Garrett Davis, they're saying that he won't be eligible to play after breaking COVID protocol. Mike Daly in the backfield with the neck injury. That was a scary moment in week two. He hasn't practiced. I know their running backs are healthy right now, so they got options there, but they're still banged up on that offensive line. Coming off the bye, you'd think they'd be able to get some sync going or at least try to with the offense. I don't see Braylon Addison yeah. on the injury report anymore. Maybe he'll make his 2021 debut. And hopefully they can get the receivers going because let's face it, Ty, if if Brandon Banks continues to do what he's done so far, the Cats aren't going to go very far. No, and, you know, I don't want to say their offense kind of revolved around Brandon Banks the last couple of years, but when he's not performing, you know, when he's not putting up 120, 130 yards and a touchdown and breaking plays, it just seems like the rest of the offense sputters. Yeah. And it's not like they have it's they don't have a dominant run game. They've got you know four four guys who have started at that position and nobody's blowing anybody away to take that job. Nobody's getting that opportunity either. It's not like they're handing the ball off 30 times. Uh you know their offense becomes their, their offense to me is pretty one-dimensional. But I mean they they put up points, or they have in the past, and it's just not happening this year, and I don't get it. Like you said, with, with the injuries on the O-line and how that's all going, it's not that's not great. Uh, we talk about O-line and you know the consistency, and guys need to be a unit for that to work, and that that's a huge part of it probably. Uh, but, yeah, nothing's going right on the offensive side of the ball either, it seems, for the Ticats. The number one key for Montreal's game has to be to limit penalties, right? <laughs> oh, my God. You can't – Yeah. <laughs> You can't give up a whole field. <laughs> so, through two games, the Montreal Alouettes have uh, given up 270 free yards. That is the second worst mark in the CFL. The Riders are actually the worst, 355 penalty yards. Why am I not surprised? Wherever Jason Moss goes, that problem <laughs> seems to follow. Uh, the Alouettes especially had a terrible game. Uh, uh, against Calgary, yep. they just gave up a field and a half against that team, and and that was big. Uh, they can't do that again at home here uh, against against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's also a big game for the LOS. Maybe they want to keep pace with the Argos as it stands right now uh, to finish first. Are we in bizarro world right now? <laughs> that, that sentence just came out of your mouth. <laughs> Dude, after week three, <laughs> yes. I don't even want to play Pick'em anymore. I know. It is so, so frustrating. <laughs> the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Ty, have uh, averaged giving up 158 yards a game on the ground. Is that Are good? Are we in for <laughs> – that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Are we in for a big William Stanback game here? And here's the thing. Stanback has not even uh, caught a pass yet this season. Yeah. Once they get that going, 
Ooh, the, the, he might be a scary fantasy player here. Hamilton, by the way, 6.2 yards a carry. They're giving up a rush. That is the worst mark in the CFL. So, William Sandback averaging 12.2 points per game in his career, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what he averages against Hamilton? What? 22.3. Whoa. <laughs> Just let that. I'm just leave it at that. I don't think any more needs to be said. <laughs> Are there uh, any other uh, big performers that uh, could uh, happen during this Ty Cats Alouettes game? Uh, if Braylon Addison is playing, I mean, he averages 21.2 against Montreal. Quan uh, Bray at 14.7. Brandon Bank 17.6. There is opportunity here. Eugene Lewis at 11.9. Like it's not huge numbers, but I mean. That's pretty serviceable. Uh, there is opportunity here on both teams for, for big days. Uh, but, I mean, the way that the offense is playing in Hamilton right now, I, it, it, it feels like you're taking a flyer on Brandon Banks at $14,000. Yeah, and you can't do that at that price. Uh, Eugene Lewis had 12 targets last week. If yeah. he keeps getting that every single week, mm-hmm. he might cost as much as Brandon Banks right away. Oh, him and Kenny Lawler, their price is going to go up in a hurry. Yeah, Kenny Lawler leading the CFL in targets right now. That's the you can last... almost say he's the you can almost say he's the king of targets. There it is. There it is. Yes. Uh, the the yes. the Bombers and the Stamps are the last game of the week. Let's uh, let's go here where the Ottawa Red Blacks two and a half point underdogs against the BC Lions. Mm-hmm. Ty, here are some stats from. Uh, Ben Kramer, he covers the CFL uh, with uh, Daily Roto. And (laughs) Montreal and Toronto are getting more yards per rush than Ottawa is getting per pass attempt. I am not surprised. And anybody who is can get out because that is not breaking news. Get this tie. The Ticats are getting fewer yards per pass attempt than Ottawa so far. Did that. Ouch. <laughs> Oofta. That's where we are with uh, <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Hamilton Tiger Cats situation right now. And the Red Blacks are banged up. Uh, they've mm-hmm. got some veterans that haven't practiced. Um, including R.J. They Harris. don't have a running back. Well, Timothy Flanders is hurt. I I don't know if that's Brandon Galander's territory, if they're going to do Devontae Dedman at running back. We'll see when the uh, when the depth chart comes out. But veteran Frank Beltrade on the defensive line hasn't practiced so far. Sherrod Baltimore mm-hmm. has not. Abdul Kana has been limited so far at practice. It's... Uh, it's looking rough for Ottawa, but Ty BC's banged up too. Um, yeah, Joel Figueroa has not practiced as of recording of this uh, podcast, and when he got hurt against Calgary, when he got hurt against Edmonton, that changed the game. I mean, yep. <laughs> they didn't have Kwaku Boateng, and they were still getting to, getting to Michael Riley. I mm-hmm. I gotta think that without him and the week of practice, hopefully they'd be able to figure out a combination that would work for them. But if, if it's if it's like it was against Edmonton, Ottawa's got a good defense. They've only given up one major this year. <laughs> so- My God. I, I, this might be the ugliest game of the week. That probably is uh, an understatement, Ty. Um, yeah, just looking at the schedule, I, I think that's safe to say. Uh, like he's, Lamar Durant hasn't practiced. Shaq yeah. Cooper limited. Michael Riley, not a surprise, limited. Um, it guys are getting beat up, and then you come, you got to play. Let's say that you know Lamar Durant's fine, and he's good enough to play. If the guy's kind of banged up, do you really want him going against this defense? No. 
because I know I I know I don't. I don't want to play them at a hundred percent. So, right? Like, I mean, you're gonna get hit, and you're gonna get hit hard. Uh, but yeah, BC they're gonna have to figure something out on that offensive line. They're gonna they got they have all week of practice here to to figure out what to do uh, with the Figueroa situation. You would think that establishing the run against the Red Blacks would be the way to go because then it opens everything else up. But, I mean, with the way this defense plays, you you can't. Or you can, but if if Canna isn't going to be in, then, I mean, that changes it. It's going to make it a little easier to pass the ball. But, you know, BC's got a lot a lot of warts to, to work through in practice this week because they the guys are starting to go down, and it's only week four. That being said, Ottawa, I mean, they have, it seems like, no depth either so i mean like you said this is going to be a pretty ugly game well you know maybe if you're a better running team but the the lions haven't been able to really no run the ball at all ottawa giving up four and a half yards per carry that's the third best mark in the cfl ottawa's given up one rushing touchdown no passing touchdowns and michael riley only has the one passing touchdown so far on the season <laughs> I, I kind of Ottawa's defense has more touchdowns and they've allowed passing touchdowns. Wow. And you think about that offense. What offense? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just a fence because there is no O. <laughs> like Man, this this might be one of those games where it's like sixteen to twelve or fifteen to twelve or whatever it is. It just, it just might be uh, another one of those ugly games. Thank God I don't work Sundays because if I got to stay up late to watch this, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> now, if you could somehow, you can move the ball against Ottawa. Cody Fajardo proved it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the BC offense is the the same as the Saskatchewan offense. They do have talent. We, we do know that. Yes. Um, if if you could take fly, what the defense gives you, and maybe this is the lucky Whitehead week. Lamar Durant banged up. I mean, I think Campbell said he was fifty fifty to go this week, or maybe even a little bit better than that. Maybe Whitehead's the guy they're going to move all over the field to get the ball to. Thank you. That's what I. That's what I needed. Is more people to know about Lucky Whitehead so that they cancel all the points he's going to get for me. That's what you're banking on. Yeah. Like, why Why not, right? Um, don't worry. If people who actually look at the stats use them and do better than me, I'm okay with that as long as they start a defense. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Lucky Whitehead, I mean, averaging 11.5 uh, aver- and then, you know, seven points against Ottawa in his career. Not a lot of games, obviously. And a lot of those, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of time at receiver either where he was mainly returning in Winnipeg. Uh, but I mean, those those targets are probably going to go up if Durant doesn't play. Uh, he's becoming a favorite, even with Durant in the lineup. He's becoming a favorite of Michael Riley's, it seems anyway. And and you know, he's able to break those big plays and move the ball down the field. So uh, yeah, I would say it's a pretty safe bet to look at Lucky Whitehead for this week. And he's not super expensive either. What are some of the other historical uh, uh, performances looking like? Well, weird. Brian Burnham right around his career average at thirteen point two. Uh, Shaq Johnson and Lamar Durant, that, who knows what's going to happen with those guys at 10 points each. Uh, Michael Riley, 21.1, averaged against Ottawa. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, and then you look at Ottawa's averages, and, I mean, Matt Nichols leads the way at 13.6 against BC. There's nothing. I don't know how you pick anybody. Maybe, maybe uh, Ryan Davis, like you said, for Ottawa be- with with R.J. Harris not practicing so far this week, but I mean, there's not a lot of options on that offensive side of the ball. <sighs> Ryan Davis is in my lineup. Um, for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. He's $2,500. He had uh, four catches against Saskatchewan. He had six catches against Edmonton. He's had a carry in the in the past couple of days, they they do want to get him involved. And if R.J. Harris doesn't play, I mean, it's $2,500. He's he's cheaper than any defense. So uh, if, yeah. if you need a cheap, cheap option like I have needed, uh, maybe that's somebody to to look at here. I, 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 we'll, we'll see which BC Lions show up. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Jekyll or Hyde. I mean, that's the thing. Ottawa's given up the most sacks in the league, so can BC's defensive line get to Matt Nichols? And that screws up things even more for the mm-hmm. Ottawa offense. So <laughs> if they can do that, then, uh, yeah, BC can go to Ottawa, and they can win that game on the road. Yep. This, I think, is going to be a bit of a slugfest. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are six-point favorites over the Calgary Stampeders on Sunday. The over-under set at 41-and-a-half. Let's just start with the Bombers here. And Andrew Harris' appearance at practice on Wednesday. He started practice with the ones, then was watching the rest of the day. I mean, it does appear that maybe it's the most he has practiced. Maybe he does return this Sunday, or maybe they save him for Labor Day in Regina. No Nick Dembski at at practice yet this week. Uh, If Harris plays on Sunday, that will make a difference here. But Ty, if you told me that going into week four, the Bombers would be six in the league with no rushing, with no rushing TDs, not only that, the rushing defense is giving up 5.6 yards a carry, the yeah. second worst mark in the league, I probably would have called you crazy. And I would have had no rebuttal. Um, it's it's nuts what's going on there. Uh as a Ryder fan, it's great to see. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, but when I pick them to go back-to-back, it, it doesn't bode well. And those numbers, if they stay like that, are really hard to overcome. You don't, like, I mean, a, poor, a defense like that that gets beat up on the ground is really hard to overcome. Yeah, the the Bombers have given up 109 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Um, they've actually given up three rushing touchdowns which is the most in the cfl uh the the argos found a way to run all over them and yeah uh, we'll, we'll, well see if D- that dj continues. foster found a way that's true uh we'll see if that continues going forward here that might be intriguing if you're looking mm-hmm. at uh possibly picking kadeem carry and uh shut <laughs> up jesus <laughs> Seeing the way that the Stampeders <laughs> have uh, been using him so far, combined with uh, Winnipeg's struggles at stopping the mm-hmm. run. Darvin Adams made his return to the Bomber offense last week, but still, Kenny Lawler was the number one target in that offense, and yep. he actually leads the CFL in targets with over 27 at this point in the season. Nine, like that. that's nine a game. Yeah. Yeah, if if Kalaros keeps throwing to him that much, because here's the thing. Calgary has been uh, struggling when it comes to stopping the pass so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've given up four passing touchdowns. That's the second worst mark in the league. You combine that with Zach Kalaros leading the league in touchdown passes through three weeks with six I never thought that would happen either. Is this 2015? <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> maybe maybe he's talking to Andrew Harris's guy. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. We don't know. Is it going to be Jake Mayer starting again for the Stampeders? Probably. He got the it, win. It has to be. He got the win. He, he, he earned uh, another start, I think, for the Stampeders. If if he spots Winnipeg a fourteen point lead, that Winnipeg's not going to let that slip through their fingers like Montreal did. Travis, it, if this year has taught us anything, it's that bold pl- proclamations like that are not a good idea. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How many locks of the week have I made where it ended up uh, as a loss? Like, I I think I said... Like, I put $200 (laughs) on BC last week. (laughs) That hurt. And another 100 on Montreal. How did that work out for me? Like, come on. Not well. Not well. No, Uh, but we're we're out of the preseason now. We're out of the preseason. 
the early Stampeders injury report shows that some of the injuries that happened on the defensive line last week are not exactly minor. Orimalad, mm-hmm. uh, Jarrell Owens look to be headed to the sixth game. It does appear that Ucombre Williams is back practicing yep. on the offensive line, but that was that was a big part of the shock of Calgary winning last week as well against Montreal. Two rookie tackles, two rookie tackles. A guard, a guard goes down after the clip. Like it was just <laughs> a patchwork offensive line, and they made it work. So, so they bring in uh, Nila Kazatati back to the team. He played 18 games uh, at right tackle mm-hmm. over the past couple seasons for the Stampeders. Uh, he, he was put on the retirement list back in July, but he's coming back. So that's probably going to be a pretty uh, valuable add for the Stampeders mm-hmm. here. And, and the system hasn't changed all that much. Coaching right. staffs are still the same. So it, it's, it's going to be, I think... I would think an easy transition for him to get back into the game. It's just getting into game shape. Can Jake Mayer do it again? No. But that being said, probably. <laughs> Man. 12, so, like you said, he spotted the, like Montreal had the lead and they just kind of let it slip away. Uh, you, Everything we know about this Winnipeg team says you can't do that, but this year has been such a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, I think another week of practice, if he's the starter, which I don't see why they would start O'Connor now uh, if they didn't start him last week. Uh, you know, another week of practice with the number one unit, uh, you know, get that chemistry going. I think he probably plays a little better this week. Uh, but and, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't because this, like you said, Winnipeg, as their defense just hasn't been what it was. Uh, the fact that Zach Kalaros is leading the league in in passing yards, like this whole this whole narrative of Winnipeg being the defensive juggernaut has just been flipped on its head. They're not winning games because of their defense. I just don't see Jake Mayer beating Winnipeg. But I mean, if Kadeem Carey shows up and Mayala, Jordan Abbott, and those guys make the plays, I, I don't see why Calgary can't win this football game. I tried to find a way to get the Winnipeg defense into my lineup. They have uh, forced nine turnovers so far. Mm-hmm. That is second best mark in the CFL. And as far as Winnipeg's pass defense goes, uh, they're giving up 239 yards a game. That is the third best in the CFL. Uh, their opponent's completion percentage is under 60%. <laughs> as far as defense goes, that is the best in the CFL. And they haven't even played Ottawa yet. <laughs> well, hey, Ottawa's completion percentage uh, against their defense is uh, just under 80, which is the worst oh in God. the CFL. So, <laughs> I mean, Cody Fajardo had a big part in that uh, early in the season. He had, he had a big game against them. <laughs> he went 30 of 35. <laughs> exactly. So... <laughs> I don't know, maybe Riley can uh, up his completion percentage uh, a little bit here, but... uh, I hope so. Jake Mayer won't have the friendly confines of McMahon Stadium. He will be going into IG Field with an... And it's going to be loud. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Well, it's a Sunday, though. (laughs) Can they get back from the cabin in time? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the cabin. That's where I'm thinking people are going. (laughs) What's your fantasy lineup looking like, Ty, right now? Well, you gave half of it away, but uh, <laughs> starting Michael Riley because I've refused to start Matt Nichols. Uh, Chris Rainey hoping for hoping that he gets some touches and some returns. Kadeem Carey, obviously. Uh, touchdown Jake. Lucky Whitehead hoping he uh, gets lots of targets. Taking Richard Sindani. Love the flyer. He's 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 real cheap at 2700 bucks, and... You know he he's he made some catches last week. I'm just hoping that he adds a touchdown and the Montreal defense. And I still have a thousand dollars left over. I see that. I'm going Matt Nichols. <laughs> Dude, at sixty four hundred dollars, how is that a good investment? <laughs> Here, if he gets five it's like points, like buying Bitcoin now. <laughs> Hey, I, I'm just like I'm in the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge. I'm up against uh, Mike Graham from Podski Wee Wee this week. Is your is your team name called Bye Week? <laughs> my my, sh- 
man. It's just not been a good year. Like, I'm hoping that if, if Matt Nichols can get me six points, I'll be happy. Because, Ty, I'm, I'm happy with the rest of my team. Oh, I, I, I want your wide receivers and both your running backs, but I can't put Matt Nichols in my offense. Yeah, we'll see how it goes for me. I get Kadeem Carey and William Stanback at running back. Kenny the King Lawler, touchdown Jake at wide receiver. My flex is Ryan Davis. My defense is Ottawa. I'm going all in on Ottawa. Like, wh- what do I have to lose? $524 left <laughs> this week. Who Your are you pride. picking to win the games? <laughs> uh, I don't even know because it's impossible this year with Pickham, and I hate it. <laughs> that being said, uh, Montreal, BC, Winnipeg, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking Toronto. And if they get the one point win by default, I'm counting it. <laughs> okay, I'm going Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, <laughs> Winnipeg. I, I'm just, I knew you'd take Ottawa. I just knew it. Well, here's the deal: they, your lineup. they beat Edmonton, so you know what I. I used to just make fun of people's picks and be like, ah, that's stupid. And then they end up getting it right. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I just look at the, hey, they're going to be at home. Man, maybe that'll help them out. I'm going Ottawa. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> Roll the dice. Exactly. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now, more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating a community built on kindness and compassion. From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance or revitalize your community or neighborhood visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the foundation's grant opportunities and visit the calgary foundation's facebook twitter instagram and youtube channel hit tuneout.ca all the latest numbers are up on there the latest episodes are up on there and we're updating it all the time rate review and subscribe to tune out on your favorite podcatcher We'll talk to you Monday morning after week four. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.